0: What's going on ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you haven't been rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack for the entirety of your career, well, that sucks to be you, dog, because your back probably hurts and your shoulders probably hurt and your knees and all that other stuff probably hurts like hell. But they make in addition to arguably the most well built, the most comfortable, and the best warranty in the game fire packs, they make a ton of other load bearing essentials. What that might be, you might ask, well, if you're an outdoorsman or outdoors woman, an outdoors person, they make everything you could possibly ever need, whether it's for travel, backpacking, hunting, LEOs out there. You name it, they make a pack for it. In fact, I'm staring at two packs right now, and it is going to be one of them is going to be the Mystery Ranch Assault 21 in Wildfire Black and the mystery ranch three-way briefcase in wildfire black now why am i mentioning these two specific packs well that's because a portion of the proceeds from sales of these packs are directly funding the backbone series and if you don't know what that is well i highly suggest going over to www.mysteryranch and checking out the backbone series and speaking of that you have an opportunity to win one of these backbone series mystery ranch backbone series grants you have a thousand dollars up on the line for you to do some professional development, whether it's the EMT class that you've wanted, or some S courses, or hell, even paying rent if uh, you've already paid for your, if uh, even if you've already paid for your tuition, hell, that might. Uh, go pretty far as far as paying rent. $1,000 is a lot of money on the line to enter. Well, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out the backbone series. And if you're telling the story about wildland fire, well, now you got an opportunity to win one of these thousand dollar mystery ranch backbone series grants. So once again, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out the backbone series. The Anchor Boy Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor, and that's going to be none other than Hot Hotshot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But in addition to kick-ass coffee for kick-ass causes, they also make a plethora of other interesting stuff, like all the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right and a ton of wildland firefighter themed apparel. So go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. And while you're at it, go over there and check out some of the anchor point exclusives that's over there. Yeah. If you're looking for one of those do rad stuff posters or one of the band of brothers shirts or one of the fire fiend shirts, well, we have it all located over there. It's kind of like our flagship. So if you want to get some exclusives, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast would also like to give a quick little shout out to our buddy Booze over at the Ass Movement. And if you don't know what that is, well, it's an acronym and it stands for the Anti-Surface Shitting Movement. And if uh, you're like me, well, you absolutely hate a surface shitter. It's a uh, problem that needs to get buried. <laughs> see what I did there, but it is spreading the good word about burying your turds. So if you want to find out more, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement where you can get 10% off your entire order of the finest poo bearing propaganda in the entire world by using the code anchor point ass 10 at checkout. So once again, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. The Anger Point podcast is also going to be brought to you by the American Wildfire Experience, also known as the Smoky Generation, also known as the A.W.E. And if you don't know what that is, go over to www.wildfire-experience.org and check it out because it is a collection of over 100, now 200 stories about wildland firefighting from across world. The world Yeah, it's not just uh, the American wildfire experience anymore. It is a global affair. And what better way to tell the story about the AWE than to have Bethany Hannah on the show today. So yeah, if you uh, are familiar with the grants process, we're going to be announcing the 14 winners of the micro grants for 2022. So if you want to go find out more, uh, check it out and check out these stories and this oral history. Uh, project that she's got going on, well, go over to www.wildfire-experience.org and check it out. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization over there. Keep it up. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Hope everybody's doing well. And I hope everybody's getting some recovery. And before the rest of the season, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a pretty long haul, especially with predictive services, basically throwing it out there that, well, we're going to have a thousand hour season, almost guaranteed, but there's no guarantees, but definitely prepared for it. But with that being said, I hope everybody's doing well and staying safe and staying savage and keeping their heads on a swivel out there. Anyways, with that being said, uh, today on the show, we are going to I'm actually really stoked for this episode. I've been trying to get Bethany Hanna on here for she's like three years now. And finally, the stars have aligned and we are in the studio tonight or today. It is actually Father's Day. And uh, we are going to be talking all about the American Wildfire experience i or view it's the awe now it's not just relegated to the united states anymore so it's just the awe and we're going to be talking about the smoky generation so the nonprofit side of the house which is the awe and the storytelling project which is the smoky generation and we're also going to be announcing the 2022 smoky generation micro grant recipients today on the show. And I am super pumped to have Bethany on the show for this. So without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce my good friend, Bethany Hanna. Welcome to the Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point podcast. Today on the show, I've got my very good friend, Bethany Hanna, also known as the executive director and founder of AWE, the American wildfire experience, just AWE now. Gotcha. (laughs) And the smoky generation, Bethany, how
1: you doing? Doing great. Really glad to be here. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I am the executive director of AWE. Um, and, um, I started it. It's a nonprofit organization. I started in 2017. It's something that I've been doing as a side project Um, since then, but, um, I'm moving into, uh, generating some funds, uh, to, to be able to go full time with it, um, hopefully very soon. So the American wildfire experience was started, um, because I had this wonderful project called the Smoky Generation, um, which I launched as part of my master's thesis project. Um, I Basically, for this project, I went around and gathered oral histories and, and stories from about 40 wildland firefighters. And um, for the academic side of things, I was analyzing the language they were using to describe the role of fire in the environment and the meanings and values they put forward super academic nerdy stuff. Um, but I, as I gathered these stories, I put them on a website, the spookgeneration.com, and they began to resonate with the fire community. Um, people loved hearing the stories from the old timers and, um, sort of, uh, the ability to, to watch a quick snippet, uh, about a fire that they had been on, um, or a fire maybe that they heard about, um, And, uh, I started realizing that, you know, this is, this is gold, um, in terms of like history and, um, connection. And, um, I really enjoyed it. I, I find collecting these stories to be incredibly rewarding. Um, and so I, you know, I, I was sort of posting more and more content on social media and I was getting emails from the smoke jumpers in canada saying hey we're using these videos as part of our training and um old timers reaching out and saying hey that's my buddy i haven't heard from him in like 50 years can i get his contact information you know it's really really exciting and i thought okay what happens if i get hit by a bus You know, I don't want these to disappear. So I I decided to start a nonprofit organization to sort of house the smoky generation, um, and then give me the opportunity to pursue some other projects and other, you know, creative, um, initiatives to help tell the story of wildland fire. So I, I created the American wildfire experience and, um, I did it, uh, and shortly after I created, uh, the American wildfire experience, um, I was working on a digital storytelling project with mystery ranch. Um, it was on the Thomas fire and I brought down some of my board members to, to Oh And I, um, we were, we were going up to the, the Thomas fire burns car to do some drone footage and we were talking and brainstorming. And, um, and one of my board members said, uh, you know, it'd be really cool if we could give money to cool people to, do cool shit and you know, so they could keep doing it. And we came up with the, uh, the idea of these wild and fire digital storytelling micro grants. And, um, wait, we, we launched it that we can give some money to people that are just doing a really good job telling the story of fire and just kind of shine a light on what they're doing, kick them a little bit of fun so that they can upgrade their camera lens or Buy the software they've always wanted so they can kind of up, up the production value. Yeah. And the micro grants went international immediately. So just like um, that,
0: just right just away. like
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the name, the American wildfire experience all of a sudden didn't feel quite right because we were all of a sudden like working on a global level. Um, so that's why we're sort of transitioning away from the American wildfire experience and just, um, just sticking with AWE. Um, so since then, um, you know, we've issued 54 micro grants. Um, so that's 54. So that's about $27,000 that we've issued as a tiny little organization. It's super remarkable. We've had micro grant winners from, um, Portugal and South Africa and Australia and Belize and, um, yeah, it's been like Argentina. all over the world.
0: It's, yeah. it's crazy because it started off yeah. as just kind of relegated to the United States for a while there.
1: Well, United States and um, and Canada was our initial run because uh, Mystery Ranch has been a phenomenal supporter of the Smoky Generation, and and then moving into the American Wildfire Experience, and then one of our other. Um, sort of corporate supporters is water yeah, they They make yeah, they make the uh, the Mark <laughs> Everyone's um, favorite pump. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite. Well, like pump, old right? ones, the old ones, the new ones yes. are actually pretty damn good, but <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, they're they're an amazing organization. They um they have supported uh four of the micro grants every single year. Oh wow. Um so initially uh we we said Water Acts will sponsor the f- you know four microgrants um of Canadian winners because that's where they're located. Yeah they're out um uh, and then
0: what is it not Vancouver are they Quebec. out of Vancouver? It's in they're in Quebec. Quebec, okay yeah yeah.
1: Um but the next year we decided not to limit it to just the US and Canada. Um we we started recognizing that the quality of storytelling that's happening all over the world around fire it, by fire practitioners is, is just remarkable. And, um, we didn't want to limit it, uh, just by geographic area. There's a lot of voices that need to be heard. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You yeah,
0: know, I think yeah. the cool thing about, uh, the AWE and smoky generation is I think that it's, um, it's very important as far as preserving legacy. It's, It's one of those things where it's like you have these stories and these people are not going to be around forever. Obviously, we all have an expiration date on us, uh, whether we like to believe that or not. And it's 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 one of those things where you're preserving the legacy of those firefighters, but also preserving the memory of them and also preserving like the stories that they have, because a lot of times the stuff that like we were talking earlier about like the stories about Stan Stewart or Ed Pulaski or Lance Honda, any of these legendary folks that are out there, these legendary hotshot soups or smoke jumpers or firefighters in general, they're all told like you and I are just talking about it and like over a beer, it's like mop up conversation, but you're holding it in one place. And I think that's something special.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's, it's become, uh, you know, certainly the smoky generation has become a passion project. It, It really, you know, I do, I do have to say the name the Smokey Generation um, rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Um, you know, we are very careful to not associate ourselves with Smokey Bear. Um, it's really a, a sort of a commentary on the culture of the Wild and Fire world, um, and that's really what we're capturing is is the culture. You know, these little pieces of of um, the community that we all love. And, um, you know, certainly sort of capturing the stories of some of these iconic figures, these legends, um, that serves a greater purpose, right? It is not just honoring their legacy. And and I do believe that honoring legacies is extraordinarily important. Um, We should recognize people's contributions, Um, but it's also about making sure the lessons that they've learned, are passed on so that we all don't have to keep making the same mistakes or, and I, I find this really like, uh, that, that sort of idea, um, you know, it's less about like operations and tactics, how, how not to, you know, do some stupid thing on the line. It's more about, um, those interpersonal connections, like, um, you know, that the human element of the fire world is, is, uh, the most beautiful thing and the hardest thing to navigate. Oh, yeah. Um, so learning those leadership lessons and, and understanding how some of these, these sort of legends in the fire world navigated the interpersonal dynamics as they were working in the fire environment, it's really remarkable. And, and there's a lot that can be learned, um, not only from them, but from other people who've just, you know, maybe don't, maybe never made it up to a hotshot superintendent level, um, but experienced some really remarkable things. Um, their stories are equally as valuable.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, even though yeah. even not even just like the legendary old school, if you will, uh, folks that are on the smoky generation, but even the younger ones that have contributed to it and, you know, somebody who's maybe got like four or five years in the game, I mean, they, they, yeah. Uh, let me preface this with a good, a good mentor of mine, Eric Newell. He once told me in academy is like, always be cognizant of what you say and what you do around a group of people, or just even single or like single individuals, like just always be cognizant of what you do because you'll never know who you'll affect later down the road and you'll never know who they will become. With that being said, I think it's important that these younger smoky of the smoky generation folks that are <laughs> contributing, uh, you never know where they're going to go or who they're going to become in their fire careers. And, you know, they have just as much, um, I guess, relevance and uh, leadership potential and lessons to be learned from just like any other, uh, just as much as any other uh, old school soup or anything like that. Any of these legendary figures, yeah. they might become yeah. legend. You never know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, call out my mentor too. Um you know this is somebody who was a smoke jumper in 59, 60, and 61. Um, and he w- <clears throat> excuse me, he went on to live an extraordinary life, but he only spent three years in the fire world. Um, so but those three years shaped how he approached the rest of his life. And so this is somebody that went on to lead for ph- a pharmaceutical company and uh the Stanford Medical Center, and wow. you know, this a remarkable individual has so much to offer. And, um, you know, has just been an extraordinary mentor to me. Um, his stories are so, so important, but a lot of people would just write him off because he only spent three years in the fire world. And and that's a huge mistake. And and that's sort of one of the things that I am really passionate about, um, communicating and conveying to other people is even if you've only have three years, I only have seven years in the operational world. um, and uh, in that, it's been a long time since I've been on the line. Um, but I have spent most of my career involved in the Wildland Fire community in some way, shape, or form, and um, feel like you know the the experiences that I've had and the people that I've met, the network that I've created um, are extraordinary, extraordinarily valuable. Um, I'm not I'm not digging line anymore, but. Um, I am helping other people to share those stories. And, and so there's other ways to contribute and there's other pieces, even if you've only spent a short time in the industry, um, that can help, um, create an even richer culture, um, and even, even more leadership, um, potential with other firefighters.
0: Oh yeah. That, that that culture, preserving culture. I think that's, that's also important too. I mean, we have a very unique culture too, and especially since we're already kind of, I guess, xenophobic and we kind of, uh, don't really try, I guess, trust outsiders. And we don't really, uh, we, 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 I guess, embrace the silent professional kind of mentality. So we don't really have any other options. It's not like, you know, like a Navy SEAL is going to write a book about, <laughs> the, well, Navy SEALs, they'll write books, right? That's how they become famous, but right. wildlife firefighters, <laughs> they won't do that stuff. Yeah. They, yeah. I don't think they will, well, maybe a yeah. few, but handful.
1: But anyways, Yeah. Well, yes. And there's also some agency restrictions on that. (laughs) That prevent people from doing that as
0: employees. The fear (laughs) of reprisal is definitely very real. And that's probably one of the unique challenges for the contributors of the, uh, AWE microgrants as well. Um, Mm. I couldn't imagine that some of them, they want to contribute, but also a lot of people are probably apprehensive to contribute to the project just because of reprisal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So there's, um, so we've run into a couple of issues and, and my stance is, um, we want, you know, this is a nonprofit organization and, and we're going to create programming based on what will best support the community. Um, it's up to the applicants to make sure that they're not violating any policies or ethics regulations. Um, but we have run into a couple of issues where our, our microgrant winners, um, recipients are, uh, find out later that the project that they proposed is in violation of ethics regulations or, you know, code of federal regulations. Um, and in one case we, we gave back or they, they gave back the money, Mm -hmm. um, so that they wouldn't be in violation. Um, which is really sad to me because it's, you know, it's a very small amount and, um, uh, our evaluation process is semi-blind. So we're not, you know, as people are reviewing these projects, we're not considering what agency they're affiliated with in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, the, you know, one of the regulations is that as a federal employee, um, when you are uh, a federal employee, you cannot receive compensation for writing so or teaching. Um, so, uh, photographer, there's nothing that says that you can't uh, receive money for photography. And unfortunately, grant, microgrants and scholarships are considered compensation. Um, so you have to be careful. I know, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's
0: bizarre to me. <laughs> it's,
1: because Oh, it just pisses me off. Um, uh, so in, in some cases, we've had microgrant winners who have been featured in the Washington office uh, newsletter uh, celebrating the fact that they won this award. And in other uh, situations, we've had people that have had you know, the, the ethics um, office get after them uh, and question them. So it's, you know, it's sort of a little bit of a mixed bag on how the agency and, you know, which agencies I'm talking about (laughs) respond. Um, So my, what I would say is that, um, you know, certainly as a seasonal employee, if you're doing it off hours, you're not going to run into any issues. If you're not Employed by the agency at the time you're doing the project, and we leave a lot of flexibility in. Um, you know, we we go up based on a fire year for the grants, not a fire season. So there is a lot of room to do things in the off season when you're not an official employee. Um, so I encourage people to think outside the box when they're applying and con- like conceptualizing what types of projects they're doing. Um, because I think it's important for, you know, those stories to be told and be told from unique perspectives. And, um, if you can do so without violating the agency policies, then, then, you know, I think you should. Um, and you know, uh, it's the same with the backbone, uh, scholarships. We haven't talked about the backbone scholarships, but this is, a you know, a, um, the backbone series and scholarships were created by Luke at mystery ranch. Yeah. And, um, just a phenomenal opportunity, again, for voices to be heard. Um, so the Backbone series is a series of essays that's featured on uh, the Mr. Ranch website, written by wildland firefighters and um, their partners um, to sort of showcase what firefighters go through and um, what the fire environment looks like. And, and um, they range from essays that are like, what would I tell my 18-year-old self? Um, go to school you know what i yeah would i do this again I can, I change anything <laughs> i did <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> um to you know issues about mental health or or what have you and um you know so that that's it's that's the backbone series it's a little, it's separate from the scholarship yeah. there are essays um there are uh, the backbone series contributors who have not received scholarships um for example but then there's a the scholarship portion and these are funded right now predominantly through mystery ranch um through the sales of uh, two special packs. Um, there's a third one dropping this summer, so keep your eye out for that. Yeah, I can't um, wait for then, that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And then um, also the Moondust uh, uh, copy table book. Um, and we've issued over 12,000 uh, backbone scholarships and we'll issue probably another 12,000 this year. So within two years, we'll have issued um, You know, twenty four thousand or more in thousand dollars scholarships to wildland firefighters and um, their their partners at an international level. Again, um, it's a great and it's for it's not just for like going to college. It can fund your wilderness EMT. It can fund your the S classes. It can fund. Um, you know the books that you need. It, it, it could, if you've already paid your tuition, you can use it to pay your rent while you're you're pursuing this sort of professional development. So that's one of the things that makes a backbone scholarship um, different than other scholarships that are available within the Wildland fire community. That's a piece that I'm really excited for. Um, when I was in school, I was hotshotting and you know doing a quarter of school every year, just kind of chipping away at my degree. Um, and I sure as hell could have used you know, an extra thousand dollars to pay my rent, um, and most scholarships limit it to paying tuition. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really excited about partnering with Mystery Ranch to administer this the scholarship um, as part of the Backbone Project. Um, and so AW will continue to do that moving forward. And we're also looking for other ways to fund um, these scholarships and the microgrants. We're always looking for ways to sort of grow these these opportunities. Um, but the scholarships seem to me like they could have really big impact on the fire community in terms of allowing people who aren't getting paid very well already the opportunity okay. to pursue some professional development.
0: So, oh yeah, and that's the critical yeah. thing too. I mean, these classes are not cheap. I mean, even if it's a professional yeah. development course, I mean, or even a NWCG course that you just pay for up front. I mean, that's what four fifty for a standardized course, yeah. like
1: plus hotels and travel, travel and food. food while you're there. Oh yeah. my
0: god! Yeah, between yeah. you and Mystery Ranch and the Backbone series, between AWE and Mystery Ranch Backbone, I think you guys uh, teamed up. I think you're the only folks in the game that are giving away so much opportunity to tell the story of wildland fire while also bettering yourself. And I think that's a huge thing for our community. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, again, mystery ranch has been a huge supporter and, um, uh, you know, I can't, I can't thank them enough for believing not only in AWE, but in the greater wildland fire community. Um, you know, they, uh, they never ask, uh, of AWE for any recognition at all. Um, I think, you know, as, as, as long as we are doing the work, um, they are happy to be supporting it, you know, and that's, that's really cool. And, you know, there are other, um, we have other contributors some private donors and things like that, uh, that help with these micro grants, um, and scholarships and also our other programming. I've, I've bootstrapped the hell out of this nonprofit, you know, when it comes down <laughs> to hard. it, I'm not paid, um, you know, and uh, we've, I've sort of pieced together just based on, uh, you know, when I first started out, it was Kickstarters and GoFundMes um, and, you know, trying to build relationships. And, and now we're, we're starting ramping up and, and looking at larger fundraising activities to support this work because it's, it's, um, you know, like I was mentioning before, uh, we started, our, our goal is to support wildland firefighters in the communities they serve. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things. Um, all of it takes money.
0: <laughs> so, oh, yeah, the stuff yeah so,
1: uh, <laughs> it's... and, and it's hard when, when you think about the smoky generation, th- that project has resonated so deeply with the community, um, but it is not sexy. Oral history is not sexy. And so it's not something you can go to a corporate sponsor and say, hey, you want to support an oral history project? And they look at <laughs> They're going to be like what, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so being able to say, you know, this is an organization that isn't just about oral history and it's not just about storytelling and um you know, just the sort of fuzzy, feel good, fluffy stuff, uh, we're having real impact on the fire community. And, um, we're moving into this phase where we're developing programming around having impact on the communities they serve. So the communities that they're living in, um, so that we can get people supporting wildland firefighters by creating defensible space, not by, um, You know, bringing socks to fire camp (laughs) during big, you know, big fires. Um,
0: Definitely don't need socks or water or Gatorade. We got all that.
1: It's so generous of people to you know think that. Um, But at the same time, it's like move your wood pile away from your house. Yes. Um, You know that that's the most help that that people can do in terms of community members to support wildland firefighters. In my mind, is is just really like take action and, um, change your behaviors around being prepared for wildfire because the fires we're seeing are, are changing, uh, and it's becoming, yes. Um, and becoming, uh, something that, um, feels like it's less, um, it's there's, there's more challenge around, uh, you know, suppression. Uh, uh, these days and so if if we can go into a community and they're already prepared uh that gives wildland firefighters um less to have to worry about
0: you yeah. oh, know so oh yeah well that's yeah. another thing too is uh AWEs is this, like it's like this living creature almost i mean it's morphing into several yeah. different things it's not only just smoke generation it's other community events or community involvement like the while supporting wildland firefighters in the communities they serve and the communities impacted by wildfire. Right. Yeah. So with that, I mean, what are some other, of these uh, future projects that you're working on? Where is AWE going?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great, great question. And and a question that I'm having a lot of fun uh, sort of envisioning uh, good answers to. Um, so one of the things that we're launching this summer, it's, it's called the chainsaw project. I have a, um, because I was a hotshot for so many years um, and I worked on crews that were saw crews. um, You know, I think when I was on zigzag, you know, we had 20 people on the crew and we carried 24 saws with us so that anytime we weren't on a fire, we were, we were cutting, doing project work. work. And um, so, you know, I have a lot of saw experience, I have a lot of passion around teaching people how to run saw safely. I've, I've taught, chainsaw workshops for women for over a decade now. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm a, I'm a soggy girl. I'll admit it. Um, nerd. I was a part of Was that? I'm
0: like nerd. Sorry?
1: Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's true. No, it's cool. Um, so I'm really excited that, um, Pacific steel is, is partnering with us to help us launch the chainsaw project where we'll go into communities and, um, uh, work at dealers at, uh, municipal fire stations and with fire safe councils to come in and provide community chainsaw orientation and training, um, as well as workshops, formal workshops. Um, and eventually we'll, we'll get to a place where we'll be offering S 212s for example, and other modified versions of that for sort of different levels of people involved in the fuels management and fire world from, from a non-agency standpoint. Um, my, my, sort of my stance around uh chainsaws is number one it's a it's an intimidating tool if you haven't worked around them professionally it's really intimidating and it's not something you should learn how to do on youtube
0: no youtube university is not the answer not the answer (laughs) Um, to running a saw proficiently yeah
1: it's it's not um and i think that um when people see a woman or somebody who's, you know, sort of not the typical chainsaw operator uh, running a saw, all of a sudden it seems a little bit more accessible um, to people, less intimidating. And then when you can get those sort of safety things in place, um, people will feel empowered to go out and clear that defensible space around their homes. I I do think that it's a barrier, um, that intimidation and that sort of not having comfort and that they can do something safely. so uh, we're creating the chainsaw project to address that. Um, I I think that for chain, running chainsaws is a whole lot of fun, too. So once people feel confident, they can do it and feel empowered to do it. I think we'll see a little bit more leadership in in communities um, to do that kind of defensible space management, wildfire preparedness and resiliency work. Um, so that's an exciting project. Um, Pacific Steel in California, there's new regulations. Um, oh, yeah air quality regulations um that uh basically everything under their 200 series um has to, is 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 moving towards battery uh operated so they're donating some battery operated saws and um you know for those of us that are used to running professional level saws that it seems like a little bumblebee you know kind of saw <laughs> oh look at this um, talking toys. yeah i know it's so cute <laughs> um but um but they're actually producing some really good tech um to create higher powered battery saws um including one that can handle a 20 inch bar which is pretty remarkable pretty so i yeah i know actually, it's,
0: it's 20 inch bar on an electric yeah console? it's
1: hmm. yeah it's basically a little farm boss saw um at 270 or uh 290 kind of level but Anyway, um, they're, they're donating saws and, um, PPE. So we'll be able to have outfit people for workshops, um, with saws and, um, and PPE. And, uh, there aren't any other nonprofit organizations out there that are doing this type of work because insurance is astronomically high to do it. There's a huge amount of exposure, but I really feel that somebody needs to step up to the plate and get out into communities and and teach these skills to community members. Um, So AWE is going to do it. It's going to cost us a lot of money and we'll have to do fundraising around just the insurance piece of it but i think it's really really important and it's also something that wildland firefighters in our community can get involved with oh yeah <laughs> they absolutely. can you know they can come out to these safety orientation days and and help me and help you know my other volunteers um teach these skills to people and and sort of connect with people in that
0: that way well i think the promotion of any firewise activity and building firewise and fire resilient communities i think that's a critical thing because if you look at it Fire behavior is only trending one direction, right? And that's going up hotter, yep. s- hotter, drier, longer fire, wildland fire seasons and more intense and more frequent. Right. I mean, yeah. just like prime and the power scene era, guess what we're, we're here. So I mean, yep. the agencies can't do it all. And we also don't have enough personnel to throw at yeah. this. So I mean, it's going to be up and to the community.
1: That's so true. And, and I think one of the things that, um, all fire agencies struggle with right now is is sort of conveying the sense of shared responsibility with communities um we have been we have created a social expectation that firefighters will come and save the day and you know that that's just what community members expect and yeah. and we need to shift the conversation around away from that and to a conversation of we need to be stewards of our community. We have a shared responsibility to protect ourselves. Um, and that may look like different things in different communities. Um, but uh, I think nonprofit organizations like AWE can help change those conversations bit by bit so that people take more responsibility on themselves. By doing so, they're supporting wildland firefighters.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: A, you know, in a really,
0: really cool way. So another thing, yeah. uh, I think another conversation that needs to be had, and I think there's only one really like very public, uh, person doing this is harnessing that conversation around wild, uh, prescribed fire and Amanda Monta yeah. is doing a great job of that, their life with fire podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, the, uh, the sort of both prescribed fire and cultural burning and, um, also sort of issues of incorporating biodiversity restoration work into these things uh, you know, these are all pieces of the fire, uh, challenge and the climate change, you know, issues I um, that journey. have to be addressed. And Amanda is phenomenal and she's a two-time microgram winner, Look at that. Um, you know, just, yeah, just doing uh, amazing work.
0: She was my second but episode. There's... Oh,
1: nice. And yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: she's, right. she's she's great. And um there's also other people. I I don't know if you've had the chance to talk with um Sasha Burliman, for example. She's in the North Bay.
0: Yeah, actually um, we were supposed to record last week, but she got caught up doing prescribed fire.
1: Prescribed fire? Yeah. <laughs> she, she had to cancel on me. So <laughs> Yeah, well, you'll she is an absolute joy. She's a member of my board of directors. Um, she's just a phenomenal person doing amazing work in the prescribed fire world. Um you know, those are the voices that uh, you, we need to listen to because oh, they are moving and shaking in really, really cool ways. And, you know, there's people all over the world doing amazing work in prescribed fire. Um, certainly, those are those are, you know, uh, elements that, um, you know, AWE, as we continue to grow and evolve, uh, we'll get into the American wildfire experience, the name, I, the name is, is challenging. Like wildfire is it, it should be wild and fire. should it, you know, should it be, uh, should we not say firefighters? We should say fire lighters, um, you know, which kind of, you, you know, from a public perspective that sounds like arsonists from a wildland fire perspective, it's like, Oh yes, we should be putting more good fire on the ground. Oh, we sort of, you know, um, language issues are, are always a little bit challenging. Um,
0: Well, everybody gets hung me, up on semantics too. I mean, I, I, that, yeah. I think the I guess public perception of uh prescribed fire with recent events um I think that's one of those things where we need to be having that real conversation where like hey one we can't control the weather two sometimes shit happens and three we have historical <laughs> crazy amounts of drought where we're getting holdovers from burn piles starting wildland fires from January I mean it's it's yeah. it's crazy right now but these are the things that you know we need to have a clearer conversation about and like, yes, this is good. And fortunately shit happens, but also we need to try and get ahead of the curve on this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. You know, one of the, 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 um, patterns I saw at the beginning, as I was collecting histories and, and stories from the smoky generation is there's a very clear mentality that comes when, um, I don't even want to say mistakes are made, but from when when things are highly publicized and the public starts taking a critical view of our actions as firefighters, that impacts decision making and people that that lasts people's entire careers. So, for example, what I'm seeing is that the controversy around the 88 Yellowstone fires when I interviewed people who who spent their rookie year or second year in fire on the 88 fires, they are still apprehensive about, um, using fires for resource benefit, you know, because of the critical look that, that, that the, the controversy that was around those fires from the let burn, uh, you know, kind of phrasing. I think we're going to see that kind of mentality and behavior from People who are growing up in the fire world right now because of these escaped burns that are, turn, you know, con- converting into wildfires. Um, and that that is uh, a little bit scary for me because we know scientifically and we know and anecdotally that we need more prescribed fire. There, there's no question about it. Yeah, fire yeah, is a, a natural are, part of
0: the ecology. I mean, that's just what it is. We Humanity it, yeah. would not have evolved without fire. Yeah. That, we need I mean, to learn to live with it.
1: Plain and simple and not all fires are bad, and not all of one fire is is bad. And that, you know, that's those are the those are the truths. Um, complex and nuanced. But I I'm I'm scared that um, you know, people will look at this situation where um, you know, two prescribed fires escaped and um, you know, had sort of catastrophic turns of events that turned into these mega fires. Um like I said, we can't control the weather though. Yeah, I'm afraid people will forget that and and they don't want to be that person, you know, that person who accidentally let a fire get outside the the control lines or what have you. And um, so I, you know, my hope is that people will say, nope, that, you know, this was this was a tiny percentage of um, prescribed burning that we do that, that got out and, um, we're going to keep doing what we're doing because it's the best thing that we can do for the land.
0: Yeah. I think we do have a PR problem in that regard. I mean, if you look at, uh, escaped wildfires and the, I guess percentage of them that have gone catastrophic to where it's very like a hyper-destructive wildfire, whereas an escaped prescribed Mm -hmm. that's gone to the wild. And, uh, it's been catastrophic, like some of the things we've seen recently. I mean, even some of the fires around here in, in Reno. I mean, I, I can't remember the one um, that happened. It was down in Washoe Valley. But anyways, do you remember what the yeah. fire was? Tamarack? Was it the Tamarack? No, it wasn't Tamarack. No. Tamarack was a, a natural start. But anyways, um, out of how many prescribed fires projects have we done where it was successful, comparatively yes. speaking, to where we have that one that escapes the wildland and goes beyond yeah. and becomes catastrophic, or you know, threatens houses, or even worse, destroys communities. I mean, the percentage has got to be extraordinarily low. We've been doing this for a long yeah. time, and I think that's one of the yeah. messages that needs to get out there. But Absolutely. how do you do that? How do you have that conversation you, with the public when there's so many yeah. other organizations promoting distrust in uh, public distrust with these yeah. wildfire or these prescribed fire programs?
1: Well, I could tell you my my opinion on
0: that. Um, I did
1: when when I was um, you know first building the smoky generations um Instagram and Facebook pages a couple of years ago, I did an analysis on the types of content that received the highest level of engagement. And Probably
0: the stuff that's negative. All
1: of all of them, well, you know, I'm very careful about the language that I use when I post um anything on 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 fire related social media. I'm not going to use emotionally charged language. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm very careful about the the descriptive phrases that I use because I think it's really important to it's something that influences those public perceptions. Yeah, clickbaity titles um, have no place in this conversation. Say you again.
0: I said clickbaity titles have no
1: no yeah yep
0: place in this yep conversation. And,
1: um so what i can say is that when i compared suppression uh content versus prescribed fire content um percent suppression had much much higher engagement, even though the um you know prescribed fire content had beautiful imagery but the thing that the prescribed fire content didn't have We're people in that imagery. So I think if we're going to do a better job telling the story of of prescribed fire and how important it is, we need to show the people that are doing it. And this is where these policies with agencies and social media um, posting come into conflict with that is, you know, a lot of agencies don't want their employees posting things on social media. And so their employees, they're still posting on social media, but they're not posting pictures of their colleagues, you know, or their crew buggy or what have you, so that it can still remain a little bit ambiguous. Um, and I think, I think the agencies need to encourage more social media posting around this good fire around progressive land management policies, fire management policies. If we're going to get that level of engagement on social media and from that higher support from the public for these things. So I I really do think that storytelling around these will help shift the perceptions um, that are kind of holding us back from advancing policy. You know, I I always say that perceptions drive politics, politics drives policy, policy dictates what we can or can't do on the ground. So if we're going to address our issues, our problems with uh, climate and wildfire, we have to get back to those perceptions. And um, storytelling is a key part of that. It's we're, we're raised with stories. We, we uh, emotionally connect with stories. It helps us create a shared experience with one another. And, and in the fire world, that's so critical because there's so much out there that, um, that is negative. Uh, and, and we just, we need more people in, in this, in this conversation. We need those human stories.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you even look at it from an agency perspective, I mean, they got a PR problem. I mean, if you look at Cal fire, I mean, they're a PR agency with firefighting duties. I mean, their PR (laughs) is on point, but everybody loves Cal fire, like public perception wise public perception and public sentiment is overall positive about Cal fire. Now, when you look at other agencies, not necessarily so.
1: Yeah. So if it's we're to true. fold that it's into true. the,
0: I guess, prescribed fire kind of context, I think we might be doing ourselves some favors. And the good thing we have yeah, people I, like you and I, Amanda and Sasha out there as well, telling the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, you, you, uh, you, you're part of this conversation too. And you're part of putting in, you know, really good content and, and challenging the current narrative. Um, and the, the narrative needs to be challenged. It There's does.
0: no doubt about that. It yeah. does. I mean, if you boil down my podcast, I'm just trying to make better firefighters and kind of like talking about the culture, much like what AWE is doing with uh, Smokey smoky generation or mystery ranch with the, um, backbone series, you know, it's, it's all yeah. pretty much the same, but challenging the status quo and making it better for future generations of firefighters. I mean, that's the job of any leader, right. Is to build upon that foundation that your leadership gave you. So the next generation can build upon that and make it better. Right. More
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh one of the things that we're doing uh at AW we're just starting this is is um creating a foundation for international relationships and exchanges. So right now I'm hosting this amazing firefighter
0: kind of like names, tracks on <laughs> One more time? Kind of like tracks on steroids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's great tie ins to, to tracks. Um, so I'm, I'm hosting a, a firefighter from South Africa named Kylie Paul. And I just met her recently at the climate and wildfire conference and, um, was super impressed and invited her to come stay. She's volunteering with AWE for a couple of weeks, helping us launch our new website. And our new fundraising campaign, Um, and um, you know we've had lots of great conversations over drinks at night about the situation in South Africa and and the wildland fire um, world there, and and you know everywhere around the world uh, we're facing similar situations, um, conversations about prescribed fire, the absolute desperate need to put more fire in the ground and how that, um, sort of compares to the the suppressionist, uh, you know, drive and mentality. And, um, you know, my hope is that AWE can, can build, um, opportunities for other people like Kylie to come to the U S and, um, not only share the information and knowledge that they've gained, uh, within their own fire sort of realm. Um, but also, uh, you know, take some of what we know back, uh, you know, back to their countries. And um, so, you know, stay tuned. I think, I think we're going to be able to create some really good opportunities for some training and cultural exchange to happen um, in the, in the greater fire world. Yeah.
0: Sure. It's an important conversation yeah. to have. I mean, that's that whole tangential learning opportunity, right? I mean, it's just like if you were to come out of fire into the private sector, a bunch of stuff that you learned in fire can apply to the private sector. But yeah, even within fire, I mean, you can be completely from a different other culture, another part of the world, come to here or us go to there and we can all learn something from each other.
1: Yeah. And so we create a more inclusive, um, fire community, which is, you know, super, super needed, um, you know, different perspective and representation. Those are important things. And, and something I think that our fire community has, has struggled with sort of finding, finding our way forward. Um, so when you're able to sort of, Bring people in from other cultures and communities and uh, ways of of seeing things and ways of doing. Then all of a sudden, our minds sort of expand a little bit. You know, um, we it's were like watching are... a documentary on fire in South Africa last night, and you know, I was like, "What's the deal with the flappers?" <laughs> you know, Amen. <laughs> hey in the basin, the basin flappers are <laughs> <Right>? gold. <laughs> um, you know, and I, you know, I learned a lot. I'm not on the fire line anymore, but. Um, you know, she was she was describing the the best techniques for running a flapper, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and things that I wouldn't have thought about. And, um, you know, similarly, like they don't run chainsaws in South Africa. Really? And that's that's a that's a big barrier. um yeah, not all, not all of the crew, like they don't, crews don't run with chainsaws. I'm sure they have some chainsaws that they use on fires, but, um, crews don't run with chainsaws. And so, you know, that's something that we talked about. She, starting. She started, she's going to have a W tracks in South Africa in March. And so I will, uh, do my best to come over and provide some chainsaw training for them and, um, sort of open up that, you know, that option, uh, for fire suppression and, um, yeah. So there's, you know, those sorts of, sorts of knowledge exchanges that can happen not only in formal ways like a W tracks or a tracks, um, but also informal ways, just by getting a bunch of people together, drinking beer and talking about the way they do things back home.
0: Oh yeah. Um yeah. Well, that's one thing that I, I I'm gonna say that I've learned probably more about fire, a wildland fire, but just by being a facilitator for this podcast, right, than mm-hmm. I ever have in any formalized training or S course or any of that stuff. I mean, I've learned more about fire through exchanges like this with you and I. And me too. I I think that if people were to kind of, like you say, open up and expand their horizons a little bit by going to AWE or going to life with fire or any of those other places like mystery ranch with the backbone series, I think it's going to tell a larger thing and you're going to learn something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Or just been Absolutely.
1: <laughs> And if that's not your thing, you know, just taking the time and, and talking to the salty old dogs on the line, you know, getting their story. Like if you don't want to go on and smoke a generation, I totally get it. But if you're standing next to somebody who's been in fire for 50 years, pick their brain, oh, yeah. you know, get their stories, buy them the the beer at the bar, you know, and whatever it is, um, you know, try and try and glean as much information. There's so many people with incredible knowledge out there just a matter of tapping into it.
0: Oh yeah, and there's that yeah. oral history <laughs> project that we're yeah. talking about right there. Very, yeah. just couldn't have surmised it better right there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Stephen Pine has this this great quote that is you know essentially like storytelling originated around a fire. <laughs> That's powerful. And there are no better narrators um, than firefighters to to talk about fire. Um, so you know they, like I said tap into that.
0: Oh, yeah. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. speaking of AWE, we have mm-hmm. our announcements for the 2022 winners of AWE. Yeah. What is up? We got yeah, this stuff. I know you have time constraints too, and we're already rolling yeah. over. So I'm trying to like, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know you gotta go. So, <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> Apologies. yeah, I can, I can do a little bit longer, but yeah, I'm, thank you so much for this opportunity. So I have a list of 14, we're issuing 14 micro this year.
0: Oh, here we um, go. Here and we so go.
1: I'm just going to run through them if it's okay.
0: Yeah. Um, um are you going to describe a little bit about their project and what they've yeah. done? Yeah.
1: Yeah. A little bit. Um, so, so, but first I'll, I'll talk about sort of the, um, the, the, the micro themselves. So, um, you know, we define uh, digital storytelling as a process of coupling personal stories with broader public issues like wildland fire, and leveraging digital technology to do that, uh, to showcase the stories and the people telling the stories. Um, and I consider it to be like an inter- integral part of community building. Um, you know, so it's it's just you know, digital storytelling in our world, in our, our digital world is, is so key, uh, to, to educating people and, um, helping them understand this, this issue of wild fire. So we encourage people to develop concept project concepts and, um, and submit, uh, an application to achieve that concept and produce some sort of digital co- content, <clears throat> excuse me, over the course of their their projects, um, that that content can live wherever it can live on your Instagram account, it can live on your blog, it can live as long as it's digital and can be shared. We encourage you to to apply, and then what we do is when we announce the the recipients, we sort of shine a light, we illuminate what you're doing and who you are, and um, moving forward, we'll showcase these projects um, over the years. Um, Uh, Aside from that, there aren't any limitations come up with a cool concept from a unique perspective about a story you want to share somehow relating to wildland fire um, and uh, and we'll kick you 500 bucks um, if you're selected the review process I have a a selection committee I I initially uh, sort through the applications make sure people fall you know check the boxes and submit what they need to submit and um and then i remove names and uh demographic information and that sort of thing so it's a semi blind review and it's semi because people as part of the application process will um, list their Instagram accounts or, or Facebook accounts or what have you. So at some point, um, sort of in the review process, we may be able to identify who you are, um, because we're going to go look at your work already. Well, yeah, you Most people have project. a selfie, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's semi, we, but we try and remove as much bias as we can from the review process and we have reviewers that are in the wild, wildland fire community and, and outside of the wildland fire community who are just um you know uh creatives themselves um and then so we we go through and we score individually i combine those scores and then people who meet the threshold on up are are, are selectees for the year um and uh the cool part of that sort of process is it cheeks out in really interesting ways. Um, you know, this year we have a musician that we're sponsoring for the first time. Really, it's, you know, really exciting. You know, the the way you tell a story can. There's so many shapes and forms that stories can take. Um, so we also have a comic book. Uh, somebody who's going to be creating a comic book. Uh, the, I mean, it's just really, it's really yeah, cool. Awesome. So we've sort of morphed from supporting projects that are videography or photography based to all sorts of, of different, um, storytelling. Really exciting about that. Excited awesome. about that. Um, okay. So, um, this is in no particular order. Um, so we have, uh, recipient recipients from Canada. One of the cool things this year is that we have, um, partners that, that put projects together. So this is a a partnership, Kelly Bouchard and Ryan Skinner from Canada. They are um, doing a project called um, after the war wildfire as a renewing force. And they are revisiting a site of one of the largest fires in BC's recorded history um, and basically photographing and writing about these different sites that were pivotal in, in the, suppression piece of it so like the pump sites containment lines host trails things like that and um they're going to create a more nuanced view through photography and writing about the wildfire and how it's recovered um how it's both um, destructive and a, a sort of transformative renewal process nice. so it's really interesting um amory abbott and liz tuhi Wiese. I'm going to butcher some of these names and I'll just apologize to the recipients. I'm so sorry. Um, also from Canada, they have a really cool website called fire season. Um, and they are going to be doing visual art, photography, prose, academic writing, all serving to, um, kind of become an introductory discussion on the ecology, industrial, historical, and psychological complexities of wildland fire. Visit their website. It's super cool. Nice. Harrison Rain. Hey, Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. yeah.
0: We were supposed to interview um, oh, last week when I had some time off, but I forgot what happened. Something happened. Oh yeah. I had to, I had to take care of something personal matter and I just had to cancel on him. So Harrison, if you're listening well, uh, to this dude, I'm, I'm sorry. He's yeah. <laughs> got wildly well, out of
1: hand. I'm glad you're going to talk to him. He, um, has, has traveled the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, basically he's a fire nomad. Um, and he is going to be putting together um, basically a book, a photo book, using photography from a, a ton of different photographers all over the world. Um, Argentina, Canada, the U.S., Spain, South Africa, um, but photographs and written testimonies about that. So I'm really excited to see what comes of that. Jillian nice. uh, Moore from the U S on a roll wildland compositions from a season on the road. Um, So uh, they are going to um, document the season roll by roll through painting, drawing, collage, written word, and mixed media compositions. Super cool art uh, coming out of that project. Um, Tara. uh Oh, Tara fondriest. Oh man. Sorry. I'm horrible with this. This is one of the, Coolest um, non fire practitioner projects that I've heard, and it's called A Conversation with Dad. And during the course of one of her husband's fire assignments uh, this summer, each member of their family, um, her, him, and their two children, ages eight and 11, We'll take a few photos and videos per day and write a little something, uh, to one another from afar, keeping a recorded dialogue of moments from home and those from the fire line all directed towards each other. And then they're going to put it together into a digital story. Aww. So we're getting, I know, right. Getting perspectives from, from family back home and, and how that relates to what's happening on the fire line. It's Really I interesting perspective.
0: To, I can't wait yeah. for that one to be released because I mean, having a family and then like, I couldn't imagine the. This the home life because it's oftentimes the family that bears the burden of fire season, especially when yeah. the significant other is on the line for so long. Yeah, that's going to be a good. Yeah,
1: one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, Michael Horn from the U.S. Um, their project is called "Don't Call Me a Hero." Um, I like it. So it's I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, going to document long-term mental health impacts on wildland firefighters and other mental health implications. Um, and the goal is to enlighten the general population on the hidden risks of of fighting fire and generate support around legislation and and that sort of thing. Um, so obviously a very good topic to tackle. Uh, Nicholas Bowling from from the U.S. One Foot in the Black is the name of the project, um, and it's the story of a crew. Um, uh, basically, you know, they're kind of looking at like. Um, you know, there's, there's stories that are difficult to share with others, um, when they weren't there with you, you, you know what it's like coming off the fire line, like people who haven't been there don't quite get it. They oh, may, yeah. they may try really hard, but, um, you know, when, when you come home off after a season, your situational awareness is so high, you, you like paying attention to the wind direction and the branches of the tree above you. And meanwhile, your mom's talking about her trip to target, and you know, there's this away yeah, disconnect. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, project is going to basically be examining like how to forge alongside, uh, and, and, uh, sort of share, uh, common struggles, um, in an interesting way. Um, anyway, I, yeah, there's more to it, but it's exciting. Um, Sylvie Fodgetek um <laughs> from Canada. oh man um under story of light is the name of the project um, they're going to be looking at vegetative research crew dynamics fireline tactics um, evolving management practices um and sort of like taking a um, a creative look at all of these sort of um aspects of fire management together and um, creating a portfolio of um, images around that um so super cool. Cameron Joseph Royce, uh, still standing. This is the musician. Um, the project, he says the project that I'm working on is a folk rock album showing my journey with wildfire over the past year, few years. It's a journey through destruction and heartbreak to eventual love and healing. Um, and, uh, I cannot wait to, to be able to share one of his recordings.
0: Um, it's got like a Bruce Springsteen as- vibe to it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's exciting to be able to support a musician as part of this process. That's so
0: unique. I, I do. Yeah. That's, that just goes to show like how unique our culture is. The wild fire culture is, I mean, we, a, a musician was selected for one of the Smokey generation grants and that just goes to show like you can do anything as long as you're telling the story of wild fire. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. In a compelling way from a unique perspective. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Um, I love it. Okay. Eric uh, Abramson, uh, First Nation and Fire. Uh, they're creating an ongoing series focusing on di- indigenous yes. uh, people in various positions and projects with a long-term goal of um, developing a feature-length doc- documentary on the subject. Yes. So exploring traditional wisdom mixed with modern techniques. Um, yeah, super cool project. Love it. Excited about that. Um, John Knudsen, uh Queerness and Fire, an Illustrated Tale, so um, they're going to be sharing personal experience of being queer and fire and bringing them to life through a series of illustrations in exploring this intersectional space, uh, aiming to capture the beautiful, honest moments, the humor, the difficult conversations, the internal dialogues, the moments where we rise to meet the occasion, as well as moments where we fall short, um, so super happy to to be able to have, you know, some of these inclusive conversations um represented. You and know, then
0: um uh-huh, you know, that's another thing too. It's like we always uh, from a culture perspective, I guess, or like a wildland fire uh perspective, oftentimes we focus on uh a lot of conversations uh around women in fire, right? But we often mm-hmm. underrepresent the LGBTQ and minority community. And I think that's the topic yeah. that needs to be, that's a conversation that needs to be had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Amanda is another great person that's having these conversations. Oh yeah, um,
0: and
1: yeah. When we've, we've um, you know, we had somebody, one of our microgrants last winter sort of um, come out as trans during their project. Um, you know, and it's, it's uh it's not a conversation that can be ignored anymore. And I think that, um, these micro grants can present a really great opportunity for somebody to share their personal story and, and sort of like say, Hey, see, we're here. Um, and encourage other people to share their own stories too. Yeah. Um, okay. So Brandon Robos from the U S um, I love the title of this. It's we move mountains with spoons. Um, (laughs) and uh love they're it. working on a weekly comic book um wanted to start this project to shed light on the hardships we all face uh doing what we love i've never truly loved a job like the uh, like i do this one and it's shown me what the true meaning of uh, compassion is oh, yeah. um and so he's going to be exploring some of those themes uh in his comic book look at that um, another one
0: that's unique a comic book
1: yeah yeah that's awesome um And then the last two that I want to share are um, our impact awards. So we have two impact awards that um, are created um, because they have they have potential to have um, really strong impacts finds. There she is. Um, the first is our alumni impact award. And, um, it's, it's somebody who's received a grant in the past. Um, and, um, we had a few alumni apply for the impact award this year. I wish we had more funds because I would select every single one of them. Um, but, but our alumni impact award this year is Fanny Tricone. She's from Belize and she, for her original grant. um, she created this um, maybe two and a half minute video called The Fire Paradox. And it's one of the most beautiful short films I've seen on fire. Um, our new website, it's, it's not quite launched yet, but it will be launched within the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll showcase this. Um, you can go visit it there. But it is just stunningly beautiful. Um, her project is called Befriending Fire in the Belizean Savannas. Um, and she wants to create a video to tell a story of um, the creation of Fire working groups in Belize from passionate community members and local actors who understand that to reduce the risks and impacts of wildfires they're facing, working as a team, supporting one another, understanding and befriending fire is crucial to protecting their homes, livelihoods, and ecosystems. So this is the type of project that really embodies what AWE is about. Um, nice. And nice. I, it's called the fire yeah, I, I have no doubt it's it's just gonna be another beautiful um, story um, out there. And then lastly, I'm very excited <laughs> to share our another, <laughs> our another our other um, impact award. this one focuses on mental health and so excited to um, you know, announce that, that the anchor point podcast that you are the recipients of this year's, uh, impact award. And, um, you know, congratulations on that. We really do stand behind the work that you're doing and the, the stories that you're sharing and, and sort of like, um, you know, drawing out of this fire community. Um, so thank you so much for your work and congratulations.
0: Thank you, Bethany. I appreciate it. And it's wildly embarrassing. <laughs> look, look at my, my face is turning. I'm like yeah. blushing right now. But yeah. It's, uh, Definitely a unique uh I, I'm very humbled to receive that award. So thank you so much. And but that's another thing, too, is like I always say at the beginning of my podcast, like, oh yeah, this this uh episode is brought to you by, you know, Bethany Henney at the Smoky Generation, aka Wildfire Experience, the AWE, right. And uh, you know, the 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 funny thing is there is that we've never had an agreement, we've never had sponsorship or a mutual interest. You know, the thing is is I always believed in your project. And that's why I say that, you know, this is, this is, uh, supported or brought to you by the American wildfire experience. So I definitely believe in what you're doing and yeah, it's, it's awesome. And thank you for what you're doing. It's cool.
1: Well, thank thank you for helping spread the word about what we're doing and, and supporting us for so long. Um, you know, it's it's that having having you sort of share with your community um, that we are out there even, um, and then you know encourage people to go check out the stories on the Spooky Generation and check out the micro grants and the backbone scholarships and the other work that we're doing with AWE. That's that's huge for us. We are a small organization and. Um, it's massive, but, you know, just, just, you know, kicking back to the purpose of the impact award, this award is funded, um, by my mentor, um, and his wife, Peter and Jane Carpenter. And it's in honor of a friend of theirs who, uh, struggled with mental health issues after, um, after particularly that were sort of like, um, triggered by a fire. Um, and he, he never, he never was able to, to, um, heal from, from the trauma that he experienced and, um, ended up, uh, taking his life and, you know, the, the mental health aspect of the wild fire community. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of the, the, I know there's a lot of organizations that are tackling the issue right now and, um, we really want to support those efforts, but I think that the piece that we can support is, is by offering this, this impact award for people that are shining a light on this issue. And you do that very, very well in your podcast. And, and we're excited to, um, you know, illuminate that work. Um, and, uh, you know, you obviously have a, a ton of compassion and, um, and uh, investment in making sure that our wildland fire community has the ability to maintain good mental health and get the care that they need. And that's, that's, that's incredibly important and very, very admirable. Thank you.
0: Thank you. appreciate it. And I think that, you know, um, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of organizations out there that are tackling the subject and, you know, kind of like providing resources, but it seems that a lot of these organizations there, I mean, which is a, this is not a negative slide or anything like that, but a lot of these organizations out there, they're very reactionary and they come to your rescue when you need that help. And I think that a lot of people aren't having the conversation on the forefront and tackling it up front and having that conversation, making people that are letting people know that it's okay to have these conversations. And yeah. I saw a niche and I tried to fill it the best I could. And so uh, it's not, it's not me. I mean, it's all the guests that had the courage to come on the show, the anchor point uh, podcast and actually have those real conversations. And I think that's the thing that is beneficial and it's like proactive, I guess you can say. So I, am very passionate about it. Um, I've had a couple of friends, unfortunately leave this, this world, uh, due to suicide and they're primarily wildland firefighters. And, uh, I just want to try and prevent that in the future. And I think that's one of my driving, yeah. driving missions. So yeah.
1: I, I have no doubt that you'll, succeed in having great impact in that regard. Well, yeah. Well, I can I can so. tell it is it is a big driver and and so you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna abandon that.
0: Definitely not. And I'm trying not to hammer down on it so much and like make it a topic of conversation on every uh episode. But the funny thing about that is it always comes up. And it's usually not me that cues the guests. It's usually brought up by the guests themselves on their own without any queuing or anything like that. So obviously yeah. that tells me that there is a very large problem with the mental health issues in wildland fire. And I think we need to get ahead of the curve and, and try and be preventative with it. You know, it's yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. I That's my experience as well with the smoky generation, at least I'd say at least 10 maybe even 15% of my, the people that I've interviewed have ended up in tears because they've experienced severe trauma, uh, losing friends on the fire line and, uh, or deploying fire shelters or just, um, the accumulative stress and the, the wear and tear that that takes and being away from family and all of it, we know these things. Um, but some of the interviews that I've done are with people that are sharing these traumas that ex- they experienced 40 50 60 years old in some ca- cases or 60 years ago in some cases that they've never dealt with and they end up in tears recounting these stories um because they it, it just it, uh, it resurfaces um in unexpected time and that's that's ptsd right mm-hmm. um and so even those of us that have experienced um maybe haven't experienced I, I honestly, I don't know many wildland firefighters who've spent more than a couple of years on the line without seeing a helicopter accident or a car accident or some sort of, you know, severe trauma that we just sort of brush off. Um, kind of normalize it. Yeah, we normalize it, and um, but I I guarantee those things are going to you know bubble to the surface uh, sixty years from now um, if we don't deal with them now. So um, yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is like I think it's even the complex PTSD or PTSI. It's a, PTSD is like an older term. Uh it's PTSI mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress P- injury. And injury. That be, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things where like you can have an initial one time event that triggers it or puts you into that state, that PTSI state, or you can have a death by a million cuts. And I I I hate using that say saying, but those thousand cuts and those micro traumas that eventually boil up into something that's bigger and complex, uh, PTSI as well. And yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things. I mean, we normalize, uh, trauma. I mean, Mm -hmm. even just the repeated cruising through communities that have been burnt to the ground or, you know, seeing the families that are affected over and over and over again, or the little traumas of like re-engaging with your family. I mean, that all boils up and we just normalize it and bury it. So, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. Well, thank you again for, um, you know, telling these stories and helping helping others to tell these stories. Um, you know, I do believe in the power of story and, and, um, you know, that's, that's why you're our, our impacts award winner this year. Um, it's because you're doing such a good job of it and we want to support you in that.
0: Oh, it's not gonna stop. And
1: (laughs) that's for sure. Thank
0: you. I appreciate it. I'm I'm very honored to be the recipient of the Impact Award this year for 2022. Definitely appreciate it. And uh (laughs) yeah. Um one thing I do wanna do is also um I know there's a five hundred dollar uh grant associated with winning that award. However, I would like to donate it to another uh awardee if we can do that. Thank you. So thank you. Definitely wanna do that.
1: We can make that happen.
0: Awesome. So select another appreciate awardee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah. And, and also, you know, I, I, would just encourage anyone, um, in the fire world who appreciates the work that's being done out in the community to tell the story of wildland fire and wildland firefighters, um, to, con- to contribute to the micro grant, um, okay. you know, in the future for sure. Um, You know, I I would love to see more community members um, saying, yeah, this is important to us. We need our stories being told and and supporting one another. Um, We you know, this is a restricted fund. So if you donate to the micro grants, they go to micro grants. um, And, you know, that's an important piece of this, I think.
0: Too, so well it would yeah, be thank you. the smoky generation without the actual storytelling component. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely a yep. uh, pivotal that we have that so and uh yeah. hopefully yeah. you know we can ramp that up and make it bigger better faster and stronger you yeah. know and uh get more yeah. recipients out there and uh it's definitely cool to see the unique uh stories this year and even some people that are non-fire well kind of related to fire, but
1: related to, yeah. 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 But not actually yeah, firefighters we, we initially started them to be restricted to wildland firefighters. And then we, we decided to move to wildland fire practitioners because there are other people in the fire worlds that don't consider themselves to be firefighters. And now it's, if you have a story that is that, if you have a personal firsthand experience with, with wildland fire, then, then you're welcome to apply. Yeah. Um, because it's important to, to see it from all sides. For
0: sure. You know, uh, what about the people that have just been affected by fire?
1: Yeah, we. I would um, be a future project. I reached out to a couple of people that uh, there's a project called the Dixie Fire Stories Project uh, that You've is that? on Facebook that's just coming out from the Dixie Fire last year, and it's a remarkable community-driven um, storytelling project uh, talking about impacts and recovery. They just received a large amount of funding, um, and so they didn't. They didn't apply. They they felt like they had what they needed, um, but I would love to see that. I would love to see applications, and I would highly encourage applications around um, recovery and the other side, preparedness, and prescribed fire. And um, oh, fire! You know. Fireflocks, uh, like grazing, the grazing communities that are doing um, using sheep and goats to to create defensible space. I mean, That's there's some unique. there's some pretty unique stories around that, um, and I I think those are aspects of fire that we don't get to hear about a lot. And I think it would be really interesting for people to understand them. And I always I always anticipate having a, a very solid suppression um, focused. Uh, segment of the microgrant recipients. I think that's a core of what what AWE is about and, and um who we are as a fire community. But I do think these sort of peripheral things that are going on in the fire world um need to be um illuminated as well.
0: Oh yeah. And the story of wildland fire is much more than just suppression alone.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> well yeah I appreciate you being on the show today and uh yeah and once again I'm honored to be the recipient of the Impact Award this year in 2022. Um as far as future applicants where can they go for applying
1: and Yeah, thank get, you. get the word out um, there. Yeah, so um we are very close to launching our new website. Um you can still go to wildfire-experience.org. Um uh you know, uh, but we will be launching the new one and we'll have the new grant recipients on it when we do, along with some of our other, um, soon to be announced, um, initiatives. Um, I know you can't talk about all of them, but I'm pretty excited, Yeah, not quite yet, about. but I'd love to come back. Um, <laughs> You'll be and, here. and then also we have two social media accounts, the smoky generation, uh, on both Instagram and, and social media. Um, just know that that is, that's run by AWE. Um, and, but we we try and focus, we try and incorporate the storytelling a little bit more heavily on that side. And then wildfire.experience on Instagram is, is the um, official nonprofit. We just started that, I think, just last year. Um, and uh, we'll be growing it out, uh, growing it up and expanding it um, in the coming months. Um, so following those would be great. You know, as you know, the, the more social engagement that we can have, the, the more sort of higher profile we become for corporate sponsors. And, and um, as a nonprofit, uh, we want to have that visibility and um, you know, be able to to go after companies and organizations and say, hey, you, you can support AWE. And we'll also, um, you know, share with our community what you're doing. And um, so that's, you know, a benefit of going in and following us is not only do you get the cool storytelling, but you're also helping the organization um, just by simply engaging with us. Um, so those are the best places. And then I'm available on email, Bethany at uh, wildfire-experience.org. Our micro grants are um, the application uh, uh, process opens in the spring. Every year. So look for the application to open sometime in April, typically. And then the the uh, the backbone scholarships, we have a rolling application process and we review applications on May 30th and um, May 30th and November 31st. So our cutoff was just, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago yeah. but I'd really encourage people as they're going through their fire season, when you have time to apply, because November is going to come around real quick and there might still be fires happening. Um, the application process is pretty simple, but, um, you do have to write an essay for the backbone, uh, series. Don't, don't and, write it um, in crayon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, do it, do it, uh, in your, um, you know, whatever your notebook in, in your tent, whatever it takes. Um, uh, but I, I just really encourage you to, to apply to that. If you have any interest in pursuing professional development, we really want to support people. Um, so again, that's on our website, um, and, uh, our other initiatives will have opportunities to get involved with too. So we'll check it out and, um, just be aware that the current website isn't isn't awesome, but we're about to launch a really good one. It's getting
0: there. It's getting there. I'm I'm excited to see the new, uh, the new website. That's for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's, I I think what between you and mystery ranch, I think your involvement with bettering the fire community, both professionally and storytelling perspectives. I think that's huge. And then I I greatly appreciate what you're doing. I believe in what you guys are doing. So
1: Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate your support and appreciate the opportunity to to share share about what we're doing.
0: I've been trying to interview you yeah. for like three hours. No, I'm <laughs> it's sorry. <just> like <laughs> passing in. I'm the sorry. I, uh,
1: moving to Spain. That whole <laughs> the start of COVID yeah. kind of threw that off, but I'm this back.
0: <laughs> She's back. But uh, yeah, um, so at the end of the show, I always give an opportunity to give to have you or uh, for you to give geez, I can't talk today for some reason. I think have had probably like too much, way too much coffee today. Um, I give the opportunity for you to give uh, shout outs to homies, heroes, mentors. Who do you got for us?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I, I do want to give a shout out to Mr. Ranch and Water Rocks again because their support has just been astronomical um, in terms of supporting these micro grants and oral history projects and so on. Um, you know, I I, uh, I have to give a shout out to Peter Carpenter, who's my mentor and, a friend, and is the smoke jumper that was jumping in 59, 60 and 61. He's 83 years old and, oh, um, just a wealth of knowledge and has opened up his, his, um, I'm sitting at his home right now in, in Kybers, um, California, uh, just opened up his, his home and his heart, um, to, to me and, uh, to others. And, um, uh, is, is really both a mentor and a hero in my mind, phenomenal story, um, and phenomenal person. And then, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here today if, uh, my first hotshot suit, Gina Papke didn't take a chance on me. I had done some trail work and heard about hotshots and thought I want to be a hotshot and I shotgun blasted my application out. This was in the late nineties. And, um, she called me up and she said, your application is in my no pile, but somebody just bailed. So come down and interview and, and, uh, tell me what you're about. And I came down and I interviewed and she said, okay, if you can pass the, uh, the run, it was a mile and a half run at the time, you know, we'll hire you. And, and I failed oh, no. by just a few seconds. I hadn't run a mile and a half since high school. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And she said, okay, come down Sunday night. Uh, the crew starts Monday morning. We'll have somebody pace you. And if you can pass it, you're, you're hired. And I, somebody paced me and I passed no problem. And she let me on a hotshot crew in the late nineties without any fire experience and gave me that opportunity. And I, was as green as they come. And um, so many just mortifying memories of, you know, experiences this first uh, few months. Um, But she put a drip torch in my hand for the first time and uh, I got fire in my blood. Is that where you got um, the bug? The fire bug? Yeah, that, that chance that she took on this random kid from Olympia, Washington, who had never seen a forest fire in her life and gave her a chance to be a part of a hotshot group. you know, I went on to be a hotshot for six years and, and, um, it transformed my life. And, uh, you know, and because of that, because of that opportunity that she gave me that, that extra little chance, because she saw some sort of potential in me, I'm here today. Um, you know, with this organization that I see having, Really cool impacts for the wildland fire community throughout the world. That was all because of her. Um, so uh, you it's know, awesome. I would say that's that's my biggest shout out uh, is is uh, Gina for taking a chance on this skinny little redheaded chick from Olympia. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Oh man, well that's awesome.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah it's kind of funny. How we always have that story about who like got us into fire. Everybody does, yeah. like, or that yeah. first that first experience with fire.
1: It's, yeah, yeah it's awesome. I raised my hand the first day because I'd sat through hours of, you know, training and I said, what is the black?
0: <laughs> Everybody like turns around that and was at you. <laughs> that
1: was hours into the first day and they're like, who the fuck is she? <laughs> <laughs> And I once I figured out what was going on, I told myself, if I ever come in last on a hike, I'll, I'll quit because I didn't want to be the, the weakest link. Yeah. And um, thankfully that year until I you know got up to speed, somebody had either drank too much the night before or came in after eating too big of a breakfast and would puke. And I never came in last. I came in second to last because somebody got sick. Uh, and that gave me enough time to figure out what the hell was going on. And, and uh, from that point forward, I could I could hang, but, um, you know, just, just a a bumpy rough start, but man, I fell in love with, with it. And, um, you know, three years later I was on a saw team, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it it was just that that moment that chance um, and uh, and a jerk torch in my hands and it's all over for me.
0: <laughs> it's kind of funny those um, little mountains that we conquer to you know eventually yeah. conquer the Everest of whatever it is in front of you. That's like yeah. your challenge, your unique, your hero's journey or whatever. It's it's kind of funny those yeah. little those little wins, those little victories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. they're important.
1: It's, it's important. Yeah, important to celebrate too. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway.
0: Well, Bethany. Appreciate
1: it. Yeah.
0: Appreciate you being on the show. And thank you so much. I appreciate everything you're doing. It's it's huge. (laughs) And I think uh yeah, I think it's gonna turn into it's growing every year. That's what I've noticed. Is it's growing into this huge, multi-headed organization of specializing in several different areas of fire and the interconnectedness between wildfire suppression, uh prescribed fire, fire firewise communities, defensible space, stuff like that. And it's, it's cool to see this, this organization of yours develop and blossom into this like Hydra. That's so important and pivotal. It's like a cornerstone <laughs> of the community, right? It's awesome. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh it's a passion project for sure. And I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: Well, keep uh, that passion <laughs> alive. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody stay safe out there. Take care. And boom, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good friend, Bethany Hanna. Bethany, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us a little bit of background and history with the Smoky Generation, AWE, and where you plan on going. Furthermore, congratulations to all the 2022 Smoky Generation AWE Micro Grant recipients, uh, yeah, there's some epic projects out there, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what comes down the line as far as those uh, projects go. It's definitely some interesting stuff. We got musicians, we've got, uh, we even got a comic book, which is pretty damn cool. But I'm really especially interested in that uh, family perspective piece. That is going to be a jam that's gonna be a hitter for sure and uh once again i would like to thank the smoky generation and bethany over there for granting me the honor and uh awarding me the uh the anchor point podcast the 2022 impact award for the category of mental health i'm definitely honored and i'm definitely appreciative of that so thank you so much bethany you guys uh your your organization you guys are going big places and i can't see you i can't wait to see what's in the future with that being said Hope all is well. Hope everybody out there is doing well. And last but not least, special shout out to our supporters and sponsors. We've got Mystery Ranch. Go for the mission. They make arguably the best damn packs in the fire game, and they also support you in the field with the Mystery Ranch Backbone Series Scholarships. So go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check it out. We've got the Ass Movement. It's a funny name, but they are serious about stewardship. I cannot talk today, uh, what is wrong with me? They're serious about stewardships. Go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the Ass Movement for all your poo-bearing propaganda. We've got Hot Shop Brewery, Kick-Ass Coffee for Kick-Ass Cause, and portion of the proceeds will always go back to the wildland firefighter foundation so go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com to get all of your coffee brewing essentials now last but not least we have the awe now they are not actually a sponsor of the show however i believe in their project and what they're doing not once have they paid me not once are they going to ever pay me however i believe in what they're doing so go over to www.americanwildfireexperience.com over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check out the Smoky Generation. And congratulations once again to all the recipients of the microgrant winners this year. I'm excited to see your projects. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization over there. Keep it up. Y'all know the drill. Stay safe. Stay savage. Peace.